The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Startup Focus with Game Changers, presented by SAP, the best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies to shake up the status quo with big data and real-time and predictive analytics from the consumer to the enterprise. Learn how to help your organization move in exciting new directions. Here's your host, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And if you want to run with the Game Changers, you know you're in the right place. I say it every time. I always mean it. and I think it's true. So what's the buzz on the street here? Let's see what's going on. Well, we found a quote from James Canton. Actually, it's Dr. James Canton. His handle on Twitter is Future Guru. That gives you an idea. And his book is Future Smart, Managing Game-Changing Trends That Will Shape the World. And here's the quote we found. There is a fierce war for talent, and a startup has a feeling of newness. Aha. Just let that sink in for a minute. So now let's take a look at the food industry. In search of elusive growth, Campbell Soup Company, come on, you know, big, established, I like to call them a behemoth, high-end, corporate, global, all over the place, household name, does it get any bigger than that? The Campbell Soup Company invested $125 million in a venture fund to help finance food startups. What? They want to give money to startups in their industry? What's going on here? Well, if you look at the numbers, and we have, the lion's share of U.S. grocery store food and beverage in that category. The growth in that category since 2013 has come from 20,000 small companies. Not one of them is inside the industry's top 100. Think about that. Startups, new energy, new growth, new opportunities, new innovative mindsets. So what is this about? Startups and Big companies playing together? Could they even dance together? Well, we'd like to say startups and established companies would both see improved success rates if they collaborate instead of competing so much. Why? They each bring distinct and very integral skills to the table on the way to success. What's the lesson here? Collaborate more than compete. And the title of this show, something we did a couple of years ago when re- revisiting it with two new startups today, Dancing with the Elephants. All right, just close your eyes and imagine that, how startups and corporates collaborate. We're going to talk about that. Let me tell you who's on our panel, and we're delighted to welcome in just a few minutes Sanchita Sur, S-U-R. She's the founder and CEO of a company called M-Play. I will spell it for you, E-M-P-L-A-Y, and she will tell us what her company does. Joining her on the panel, another newcomer, Sami Al-Sayed, A-L-S-A-Y-Y-E-D. He's the founder and CEO of a company called Shortpoint. One word, capital S, capital P. And rounding out the panel, who else is it but Dave Katona? 
He's our regular. I like to think of him as, as my co-anchor here. He works in go-to-market for the Americas at SAP Startup Focus. And, of course, we have to do a shout-out to Christina Sosa at SAP Startup Focus for working with Dave to put together this wonderful topic and panel. So let's get started. I'm going to introduce Sanchita in a moment with the quote she sent me from Ludwig von Beethoven. Uh-huh. He was apparently baptized on December 17, 1770. He lived till 1827. He was a German composer and pianist who was crucial in the transition between the classical and romantic eras in Western music. He is still one of the most famous and influential of all composers. If you're not convinced, he's most famous for nine symphonies, five piano concertos. I think that's concerti, if you were pronouncing it right. One violin concerto, 32 piano sonatas. I think I played some of those when I was taking lessons way back in the day. Sixteen string quartets, his mass, Missa, Solemnis, and one opera, Fidelio. Oh, my. Interestingly enough, he became deaf in his late 20s, but he finished most of his work in the last decade of his life when he was almost completely deaf. That's genius. So here is the quote Sanchita has selected. Don't only practice your art, but force your way into its secrets for it and knowledge can raise men to the divine. Sanchita Sur, founder and CEO of Mplay. Welcome to Game Changers. How are you? Thank you, Bonnie. I'm doing very well this morning, and thank you so much for having me on the show. We are delighted, and I'm loving the quote. I think this is Beethoven's first time on Game Changers Radio, so congratulations <laughs> to Mr. Beethoven in, in absentia in memoriam. So tell me, Sanchita, how did you find this quote for our topic today? Interesting, we're talking about dancing with the elephant, so there's got to be music involved, I think. I think most people dance to music, and here we are quoting Beethoven. So why don't you tie it all together for me, Sanchita? Absolutely. Bonnie, I'm a big fan of Beethoven, not only for his music, I have taken months to master just an abridged version of Moonlight Sonata and Piano, but also for his philosophy, uh, his never-give-up attitude, just like you mentioned. Remember, he continued to make music even after he turned deaf, and most mm-hmm. of his admired works came from these last 15 years of his life. And I think that is all about a startup, to have the tenacity to keep going against all the odds and because during those last hours of desperation, you might just create the most prized invention. And I just live by it now. And the best part is that everyone practices their art. But a startup takes the challenge to go and pierce the boundaries and then forces its way into secrets. So that is how I feel I really relate uh, this coach with this topic in the hand. Very very interesting. Thank you, Sanchita. That's very inspirational. And when we think of my opening about how, and I know you're going to have comments on this later in the roundtable, Campbell Soup is putting money into financing food startups. So thinking about who is forcing their way into the secrets of the art, it sounds like the startups are the ones who are digging deep. Would you? Is it safe to say that, Sanchita, that the startups are the ones who are raising the knowledge? Absolutely, for the most part. Interesting, very interesting. We'll we'll hear more about that. Thank you so much, and I love the opportunity to be able to look into some of the background and refresh myself on Beethoven. And now let's welcome Sammy Al-Sayed, founder and CEO of Shortpoint. And Sammy has selected a quote from Reed Hoffman. Anybody doesn't know Reed Hoffman? Reed Garrett Hoffman. He's still around, born in August of 1967. He's a kid. He's an Right, Dave? He's a kid. He's an American internet entrepreneur, venture capitalist, and author. Okay, here's how you know the name. 
name read off. And come on, everyone. He was the co-founder and executive chairman of LinkedIn. Uh-huh. He's currently a partner at the venture capital firm. There's that word venture capital again at Greylock Partner. Uh, partners. He was ranked 631 on Forbes 2017, that's this year, World's Billionaires List. I said billionaires with a B. His net worth currently is only, oh, $3.1 billion. Well, let's see when he gets a little more money and he'll go up the list. Okay, so here's the quote Sammy has selected from Reed Hoffman. If you are not embarrassed by the first version of your product, you've launched too late. Wow, Sammy, you got to help me out. What does this mean? Talk to me and welcome to the show. How are you? Hello, how are you? Thank you very much. And thank you very much for having me here. I'm very excited knowing that this is uh, my first time on the radio. So I'm very excited about it. <laughs> We're excited too. So tell me about this quote. I'm fascinated by it. What does this mean to you and to our topic, Sammy? Yes, of course. Well, First of all, the meaning of this quote is super accurate for startups. And let me explain. So um, startups working on a new product should not focus on releasing a perfect first version. No, they should release the product as soon as possible in order to collect feedback, in order to put the product out there and listen to customers and partners and friends what they think about it. Because startups will end up changing the whole product several times because it's not about what startups plan to do. It's what, it's what customers want. Now, um, it's, it is very related to our topic because large corporates cannot do that. It's not easy for a large corporate to release a new product and then change it completely many times. It will be a complete madness for them. So um, let startups handle the embarrassment let them um, spend the time to adjust and change because they are great at doing these things. Once they uh, find their little space in the market, large corporates can jump in to help the startups enlarge this space and scale. Very interesting. So you, you know what, that uh, I... that's what uh, that's why I believe in this uh, quote uh, uh, in this quote so much. Very appreciated, Sammy. The, the idea of being embarrassed, you know, we often talk about, uh, when we talk about startups and funding, there's an old saying about many startups go to their FFF, family, fools, and friends. Now we've extended that to things like <laughs> Kickstarter and crowdsourcing for money, and, and you have to get past that sense of embarrassment, which is, is integral to the quote from Reed Hoffman, because you can't say, well, I have an idea for a new rubber band, and how many people and, and you have to say, no, I'm not embarrassed. I think I have invented, reinvented not only the wheel, not only the mousetrap, but the new rubber band, and I think you should invest in me. Very interesting, and I'm, I'm wondering, Sammy, referencing back to my opening quote, uh, whose opening quote was it? Let's see, I'm looking at... Um, uh, here, the, the startup has a feeling of newness from Dr. James Ken, but also the idea that Campbell Soup is investing in food startups, and I wonder what those startups are and what they're coming up with, Sammy, and if they've already gone through the embarrassment of their first version where it really didn't taste so good, it didn't look so pretty, it didn't come out of the can in one piece, or it exploded on the plate or in the cup or whatever. If, if you think about that, there's so many opportunities to say, 
Yeah, Reed Hoffman was really right. Thank you so much, Sammy. A pleasure. And I, I will ask uh, you and uh, Sanchita in a few minutes to, to tell us about your companies because we really want to know. And now let's turn to Dave Katona, SAP Startup Focus. Dave has picked a quote from Mark Andreessen. Anybody doesn't know Andreessen, another American entrepreneur and investor and a software engineer. He's the co-author of Mosaic, which was the first widely used web browser. Uh-huh. Co-founder of Netscape. That must be what you know him about. And he's also co-founder and general partner of a Silicon Valley venture capital firm, Andreessen Horowitz. Uh, he's also a co-founder of Ning. This guy never sleeps. He sits on the board of directors of Facebook, board of directors of eBay, board of directors of Hewlett Packard Enterprise. And interesting enough, Mark Andreessen, Dave, all the way back in 1994, Andreessen was one of only six inductees into the World Wide Web. Now, I said 94. World Wide Web Hall of Fame announced at the first international conference on the WWW in 1994. So he was a mover and shaker. Here's the quote Davis selected. An awful lot of successful technology companies end up being in a slightly different market than they started out in. Here's another wow quote. Dave Katona, have you been? Fantastic, Bonnie. It's great to be back. Thank you. So talk to me. Love the quote. How'd you find this one? You know, I, I thought this was appropriate uh, for today's show, and actually it's a great uh, a follow-up uh, from Sammy's quote. It, this gets down to uh, what Sammy just discussed about uh, launching a product, and I find, uh, you know, our topic today, dan- dancing with the elephants, uh, working with large companies, um, I've actually experienced quite recently um, feedback in working with startups engaged with large companies, and I've gone through this in working at a startup myself. It's amazing when you have a product as a startup and you go and you work with a large company or you listen to your customers, you tend to go through this evolution from this amazing, groundbreaking, transformational capability and finding your way to what that true core market value is. Uh, really, you know, you, you see the success of some companies that started out as one thing ended up being something else. And you look at, you know, multitudes of, I've experienced this myself where I worked at a company that we started off doing, focused on manufacturing, and then all of a sudden a couple companies said, hey, you know what, this would be great for using this for IT infrastructure, and the company took off. Completely mm. different market, same platform, same technology, but the IT guys were willing to pay a heck of a lot more than the manufacturing guys for it. And you look at, and then this gets down to uh, Andreessen's advice, and like, you know, uh, you look, you have to look at the market opportunities and be, you know, be selective and you can go after different industry verticals, different market opportunities, but it really gets down to looking at following that, what I call that true path to success and not fighting um, the other paths to success that are away from your initial core vision. And you have to be careful with that. And I, I take a, Mr. Andreessen's uh, advice to heart. 
Very and interesting. Working with large Dave. companies really yeah. guides you down some different paths than maybe where you started. Interesting. So, so go back for a second, Dave, to that idea of your core vision. How agile, flexible, and non-ego driven, I'm going to throw that in because we, we like to talk about real people here, and I'm going to get Sanchita and Sammy to chime in on this too. How flexible, agile, and non-ego driven do you have to be as a founder of a startup if, when you're dancing with the big companies, the elephants in our metaphor today, Dave, uh, they say, well, you know, Dave, we love the idea that you're reinventing the rubber band and that it's going to have multiple colors, but we'd really like it to become part of a flexible seatbelt on airplanes. Do you think you could make it stretchy for air traffic for the airline industry to embrace it and approve it? And the FDA and everybody else who needs to be involved, how would the ego feel of that startup fan who says, I just wanted to invent a rubber band, damn it. I mean, what would they have to say, Dave? Any thoughts about that person in that hot seat saying, wow, this is a big opportunity, but is that me? What do you think, Dave? Exactly the point, Ronnie. (laughs) This gets down to how far from your core vision is that. And this gets down to... uh, um, uh, a book by Jeffrey Moore uh, that I read early on uh, where you look at uh, crossing the chasm and stay focused and you look at that core opportunity in the early adopter market and staying focused on that core market, but there are new opportunities that are going to arise. You have to stay focused on that. Okay, it still stretches. It's still stretchy, but is, you know, it, 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 how far outside that box that you know is it, and can I do it, and you know how much of a market opportunity, a true market opportunity, is it going to be for me? And this gets down to sometimes these big companies have bigger ideas than you do, and sometimes it's good yeah. to listen to them. And yeah. this is where a lot of these large companies are starting to come up with funds, contests, and investments in startups to bring them into the fold because they recognize the groundbreaking ideas and technologies that they have and they want to bring them into the fold because they see them as in outside innovators. Very and interesting. Thank thank you, Dave. I, I like this this human turn. And you know what, Dave? Let's ask our two panelists who are your guests today, Sanchita Sir at Mplay and Sammy El Sayed at Short Point, since they, they both may have experienced this or maybe they are. So Dave, may I go around the table? Is that okay with you? Yes. Okay, so Sanchita at Mplay, this is a good chance for you to give us the sixty second overview of what Mplay is. You're the founder and CEO, and has it come across your vision, your core, your domain, your thought process that a big company is saying, Sanchita, we love what you do, but how about if we take a left turn instead of a right turn and do something different with it? Sanchita, let's hear from you, please. Thank you, Bonnie. So uh, Mplay builds sales GPS, which harnesses the power of AI and prescriptive analytics to provide turn-by-turn guidance to sales reps on how to meet the quota. So we aggregate data from multiple sources, we analyze, and then we start recommending. And not only recommend, we sometimes also do the work for salespeople. So in, terms, uh, in, in the technology term, we are building sales bots that will act on behalf of sales reps 
in an assist mode, augment mode, or even substitute mode. So that's what Emplate does. And uh, to react to what they've said, uh, I think um, I've had multiple meetings with even VCs who have said that, uh, you know, I think there are enough players in the market and then you should be getting out of it. It's too crowded. Sometimes mm-hmm. a founder's ego helps and because it helps you persist and said no. And I said no because I know my product is superior and there are many things that I'm talking about that they don't have. Most of analytics is all about prediction, but what about prescription? What to do with the prediction that either the sale will go through or not? But at the same time, a founder with uh, a lot of ego is trouble because if you have not been able to handle the embarrassment, as uh, Sam said, then it's very difficult for you to turn the ship when it really needs to turn. Otherwise, you'll just go crashing into an iceberg. Wow, those are some good picture words, Sanjita. Thank you very much. Uh, Sammy, at Shortpoint, tell us a little bit about your company and what do you think about visionaries and founders and CEOs sticking to that core vision with ego written on their their sweatshirt, E-G-O, don't mess with my ego, versus being flexible and agile. What's your your opinion on that? Sammy, go ahead. Yes, of course. So um, uh, Shortpoint is a product. currently being used by many companies all over the world to help them create beautiful intranet websites, uh, digital workplaces, dashboards, business websites, on top of um, SAP Portal, SharePoint, Office 365, and others. Uh, like to build sites and intranet, their employees will just fall in love uh, using, uh, using them. So that's, uh, that's what we are doing. Now, um, uh, my comments on um, on uh, what you guys uh, what you guys said, I don't believe it's about the ego because um, as a founder of a, of a startup uh, with an ego, you will not succeed because you will have to deal with a lot of negative feedbacks and you have to adjust and you have to change. Like for example, at short point, we have uh, we just started to work on a new marketing video, like a new promo video, in order to explain what we do. This is the seventh video we have since we started. And, and uh, I shared with, um, with the team the first video we created, and when I shared it with them, they thought I'm, uh, I'm just joking with them. They didn't believe that that was our first <laughs> uh, promo video. So changing the, the product and adjusting, that's the only way to succeed. Now, um, and, and, um, but working with, uh, with large corporates and with large organizations, it will also involve listening and getting feedback and adjust and building new features and to change part of the product. But we have to be, as a, as a founders, we have to be a little bit careful because we, we are working, when we work with large corporates, we are working with so many employees and uh, so many members, and each one will have his own or her own ideas and her own thoughts. So it can be, actually, it can drive the startup in, apart from, away from their initial uh, vision and, uh, and, and goals. So pick the right feedback and uh, implement it on the product. Share with the uh, large corporate your ideas and um, let them hear your also advices because they want also to listen t- uh, to your experience and your, uh, uh, your skills because this is what you are good at 
and that's why they want to work with you. So that's what I have, uh, what I can comment about this. Very interesting. Dave, this is, uh, it sounds to me like there's a lot of culture involved here. Dave, you want to comment on that? The culture of the startup, the culture of the elephant with whom they choose to dance or the elephants whose dance cards are not full are saying, okay, come here, startup person or a startup team. Uh, we think we want to play with you. We think we want to talk to you. It, how, how much of the culture of the founder of the core vision leadership team is going to make or break this interaction of this dance. Dave, just one, one overview from you, and then we're going to find out where everybody is calling from and what they're drinking today. So, Dave, you want to wrap this up? What's your opinion? Sure. Culture is extremely important. This gets down to, again, you have to have that vision, and you have to be driven. And, you know, I know Sanchita and Sammy, and they both have clear visions about their companies and their products and capabilities. What, it, what I've seen startups make huge mistakes in is going in and being gumby and just literally trying to do whatever the large corporation tells them to do in order to try to make a near-term sale. What that you're really looking for from a cultural alignment perspective is to really look for a company that wants to collaborate with, nurture, and really guide the startup to success along with innovating and helping them create innovation within their company. And that really is super important um, on, on both sides. Very interesting. I love the Gumby analogy. Do you think everybody remembers what Gumby was, Dave? Do you want to just tell everybody? Because I don't think Sanchita and Sammy, they're probably way too young. I know Gumby, and I'm trying to see how to spell it. I think it was G-U-M-B-E-Y. Yeah, it was a a kid's show with a very stretchy character that could bend in every way. Yes, it's clay animation. that if you stretch your product too far, it will break. Uh, That's you know right. when you're in the right situation and you know we're in the wrong situation. And as a startup, you have core capabilities that you can extend and adapt, and you know when you're in the wrong deal. And if a customer is asking you to do something that you cannot do or that will cost way too much time, money, and resources to accomplish, you're in the wrong deal. Thank you. Dave Gumby, American Clay Animation Franchise, centered on a green clay humanoid character created and modeled by Art Clokey. Character has been the subject of two television series and a feature-length film and other media. Very, very interesting. Oh, what memories, Dave. I'm just, anybody who doesn't know what Gumby is, just look up G-U-M-B-Y and you will find out. Sanchita, you're probably way too young. Have you ever heard of Gumby? No, this is the first time. <laughs> go, go look them up. You probably have seen the character. You might have seen the, the soft clay. I don't think they make it out of clay commercially, but it's some kind of rubber that's bendable and moldable. You could probably use it as a stress toy. I have a thing today. Talk about don't bend too far. Sammy, have you ever heard of Gungby? No. Okay, well, we'll put that one to bed, and now we're going to circle around to Sanchita, sir. Where are you calling from? And we'd love to know what you're drinking today, or what's your favorite drink that keeps you smiling and keeps M-Play going forward? Sanchita? <laughs> I'm calling from California, Livermore, California, and um, I have a glass of uh, 
green tea shake with strawberries and flaxseed every morning. It just keeps me going all day. Very interesting. Um, and what do you, you put flaxseed, you put strawberries, and you do you brew the green tea and then chill it down, or what do you do? Yeah, just brew the green tea and then uh, put Greek, uh, Greek yogurt. So it's a lovely blend. I like it. Sounds delicious. Cold or room temperature? Cold. Cold. Okay. I like it very much. Thank you, Sammy Al-Sayed. Where are you calling from or where do we call you today, Sammy? And what's in your cup today or what makes Sammy smile? Okay. So I'm calling uh, from Dubai. And uh, today the humidity is almost 100%. So it's a quiet hot. So um, I, I, I changed my hot coffee with a pure iced tea with a lot of ice right now. And I'm having it right now. Wow, 100% humidity. What's the temperature here? We're on Fahrenheit here in New York. And by the way, we were up to almost 90 degrees on Sunday. It was shock and amazement because we just had very cold weather about a week earlier. So uh, that would have been 88 degrees Fahrenheit at LaGuardia Airport. What would be the Fahrenheit of the temperature there right now? Well, we, uh, we use uh, Celsius. So currently it's around 28. It's not very hot. It's actually very pleasant weather here in Dubai to be 29, but the humidity is um, is uh, what uh, I'm not a big fan of. So 100% yeah. humidity is is a lot. Yes, I agree. Sometimes I agree. It reaches it... uh, reach in, in in summer. It reaches 50 degrees here with uh, with this amount of humidity. So it's a quite a lot. Even fish they get confused. So they, you see fish <laughs> flying in the air. <laughs> Oh, you took me by surprise on that one. Thank you very much. Do you get a lot of storms with that kind of humidity, Sammy? Do you get a lot of, of inversions of weather systems where, where you get a lot of hot air and cool air sandwiched together and you get thunderstorms? Or, or how does that work with precipitation? Is that a, a factor? Yeah, well, well, not here. The weather is, uh, is stable. So during the year, the weather is absolutely amazing. In, in winter, um, when it rains, people just uh, run in the streets and they start taking videos and selfies celebrating the, the rain because it's very beautiful here. Only three months during the year that it's, it's the hell on earth. So it's, it can be May. It started from May. The weather can be very, very, very hot. Wow. <laughs> very fascinating. I think you are the first guest we've ever had from Dubai. I'm pretty sure you are. So welcome to, we're glad that Game Changers Radio is now live in and from Dubai. Thank you very much, Sammy. Dave, where are you? How's the humidity? Now I have to ask. And what are you drinking today or what would you rather have in your cup? Dave Katona. I'm in Palo Alto, California. It's sprinkling a little bit and I am actually drinking a latte out of our uh, office. uh, Magic uh, (laughs) Swiss-made magic coffee machine that everyone that visits the office just absolutely loves with fresh ground coffee beans. Ooh, that sounds sexy. That sounds very nice. Uh, Very, very interesting. So the office really cares about the culture of coffee drinkers. Very, very interesting. they do. Wow, that is nice to know. Dave, uh, do you work with many startups like Sammy's uh, with people in Dubai, or is this a first for you too? We actually have a couple of, of startups from Dubai, but uh, uh, Sammy's actually fairly new to the startup focus team, so we're really excited to have him. 
We're excited to have both of them. Thank you. We're going to take a very quick break. I know we're running a little late, but it's such a good conversation. We're talking today about Dancing with the Elephants, how startups and corporates collaborate. That's a lot of a lot of alliteration in there. We're speaking today with Sanchita Sur, the founder and CEO of Mplay, E-M-P-L-A-Y, Sammy Al-Sayed, founder and CEO of Shortpoint, one word, S-H-O-R-T-P-O-I-N-T, put a capital P in the middle, and, of course, Dave Katona, the go-to-market for the Americas at SAP Startup Focus. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. I'm drinking cool, clear water in a cool, clear mug with a green straw because everything is green and gorgeous. The pear tree outside my office window is in full bloom, and I planted in five flower boxes on my terrace, I planted pansies. They are hearty, they are strong, they are yellow and purple and pink and red, and they're beautiful and make me think of spring. So the green straw is for the coming for real of spring and actually summer coming very fast. I'm in New York. Don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial will be gone for no more than 90 seconds. Seconds, I promise. And when we come back, Ms. Sanchita Sur and I will start the roundtable with some interesting conversations about startups dancing with the elephants. You don't want to miss the music on this one. Kevin out. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. In today's globalized world, the competition for customers and marketplace has never been fiercer. Emerging technologies, especially those like big data, can help level the playing field and enable everyone from established enterprises to nimble startups to radically change the status quo. The bottom line, if you embrace technology, you can innovate your way to success. Big data is changing the way we live our lives and do business. Learn how with Startup Focus with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. With new companies like yours competing aggressively for top customers, your strategies and tools must level the playing field and position you well against your larger adversaries. Today, you are faced with global competition for both customers and talent that will drive your business. The bottom line, you need to define what's going to set you apart, and you need to embrace innovation in every facet of your company and your brand. Startup Focus with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. You're listening to Startup Focus with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter, hashtag S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Now, let's get back to Startup Focus with Game Changers. Indeed, we are on Startup Focus, and we're focusing on two interesting startups, speaking with Sanchita Sewer, S-U-R, at M-Play, and Sami Al-Sayed at Shortpoint, and Dave Katona, of course, our co-anchor here, my co-anchor extraordinaire at SAP Startup Focus Program. And again, a shout-out to uh, Christina Sosa, who puts together these shows for us. And we also have a tweeter today. I'm trying to get into my Twitter feed here. There's a gentleman who's tweeting, and oh, here we are. It's Anas Nakam. 
Kawa. I don't know if any of you know him, but he is tweeting a lot and obviously listening to the live show. So thank you very much. We appreciate your being on board. We're going to get into our roundtable right now. I'm looking at some notes from Sanchita. Very interesting. We're going to get a little scientific, everybody. So put on your your lab coat and your your lab glasses. No, I'm only teasing. Uh, I'm going to introduce the topic and Sanchita will describe it and then we will invite Sammy and Dave to comment. So Sanchita is talking about dancing with the elephants. Can you really dance with the elephants as a startup? How to make the dance work? She says, it's not just about cultural assimilation, but also about DNA mixing. That's the science part. So Sanchita says, startups have disruption DNA and large companies have discipline DNA. Let's see what happens when you put those two together. Sanchita, please tell us more. Absolutely. So, Bonnie, uh, if you notice, Netflix was not born in NBC or HBO's, um, you know, conference rooms. Neither was Uber born uh, out of Hood's and Nationals' uh, idea bank. Uh, neither was uh, SpaceX conceived by a NASA engineer. So you need startups that think really radically outside the box. And so what they really have is disruption DNA. And that is something that also needs to be injected into the elephants. Otherwise, they will not be able to identify possible funding opportunities for these disruptive ideas. Because most employees and executives of uh, high-profile companies know that it's, it's very expensive to make big failure work. It will impact their promotions, their bonuses, and raises. And therefore, it starts making them risk-averse. And with that risk of uh, mentality, would they be making bets on incremental startups or disruptive startups? So that is very important that the elephants change uh, their outlook and start having a little bit of fun. Whereas large companies come with discipline DNA. If you see, nine out of ten startups fail in the first two years, mm-hmm. significantly higher than large company failure rates. But large companies are able to do this not just because they have the skill, but they also have a very strict sense of discipline. Uh, the discipline to think through the execution before they launch in, organize their resources and activities, and then follow through without being distracted, without being distracted by what the customers are saying, what uh, you know, new features that one particular customer wants to customize. They pretty much uh, cannot be distracted and be on track. So uh, when I used to work for larger companies, processes were given. But in startups, we focused too much on speed. And therefore, documentation, processes, change management goes out the door. It's not cool. But that is important because sometimes when you're just driving in a fast lane and you're constantly changing lanes, it just gives you a sense of movement without actually making progress. Uh, you would have noticed that sometimes you just change lanes, got out of a you know, slow lane, and then you start seeing that the other lane that you just got out of starts flowing faster. And therefore, this impatience and disregard for processes and documentation that founders and startups have, uh, that are clear impediments of uh, scaling and being on track. And therefore, if startups bring in their disruption DNA and large uh, companies could bring in their discipline DNA, the two could be really, the cross-pollination of this uh, would be awesome, and uh, we should take uh, advantage of this mixing. 
Very interesting. Very beautifully articulated. Uh, you can take off the lab coat now, everyone. I, I love that. The <laughs> disruption DNA and the discipline DNA. It just sounds to me something you'd want to write a big blog or make a make a video about, Sanjita. Sammy Al-Sayed, love to get your thoughts. Do you agree or disagree with this way of looking at it, the disruption and the discipline? Yes, absolutely. Well, I agree with uh, what Sanjita uh, just said. And I would like to add also to that, like um, uh, both startups and large corporates share the risk, taking risk uh, DNA as well. The difference is startups need large corporates and large corporates need startups in order to, um, to, uh, to, to, uh, to take this, um, this uh, idea or this opportunity to, to, all, to all levels. So um, startups in, in terms of taking risk, it can be very dangerous for the startup. It can really harm the startups. And that's why, um, that's also one of the reasons nine out of 10 startups fail because of they just did not take the right decisions at the beginning and then they did not have the enough resources and enough funding to adjust and uh, uh, try to do it again. Now, uh, for large corporates, they can take risks. They can afford to, to fail and start again. So both of the startups and large corporates working together, supporting each other and collaborate can end up with a very, very successful, uh, successful result. Thank you. Let, let's get Dave Katona in on this. Dave, what do you see about this, this science experiment, if you will, with the mixing of the DNA? What's the good, the good side and the bad side from your vast experience? Yeah, it's it. it, it I, I think you know, Sanchita's points are, are highly accurate, and this gets down to the, the, the what 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 I call the you know the the, the innovation factor um, that needs to be uh, in, injected into the corporation, and but the startups really need to be prepared for that you know disciplined DNA, and sometimes the startups are shocked. Uh, when they mm-hmm. go in, because they're, they're they're focused on that innovation, they're focused on uh, that velocity uh, in getting to market. And one of the things that I experienced personally in working at a startup is uh, working with a, a team and going in and selling to very very large companies. And these were, you know, the companies like eBay and Yahoo, uh, and, and and walking in and having come from a large company. Back to a startup, I kept warning everybody, they're going to ask for a very detailed project plan. Are you guys ready to present one? They're going to ask for a very detailed project plan. Mm-hmm. And the guys are, oh, yeah, yeah, we have it, we have it, we have it. No problem. And so we go to a meeting, and uh, there are three of us, and then 20 people walk into the room from the customer. And they want a detailed project plan, and uh, everyone's faces went pale. And this mm-hmm. comes down to the fact that you need to be prepared for uh, the scale of these companies and the scale at which they actually operate. They're looking for innovation, but this disciplined DNA can be overwhelming when you engage. And this is one of the key factors that you, as a startup, you have to be prepared for and understand that there are uh, what I call uh, anchors that can drag your, uh, your startup rowboat down uh, that you need to be aware of as you engage. 
uh, and, and will slow you down. But there's huge opportunity. So uh, there's cross-pollination from an uh, innovation and discipline standpoint, but there are also anchors that can drag you down and slow you down as you engage. Dave, I'm thinking of the old phrase, and I think our co-panelists here probably don't remember this, anchors away versus anchors that weigh you down. Will you allow me that poetic license there? Oh, yes. There you go. (laughs) Thank you very much. Interesting. Uh, Sanchi, do you want to wrap this part of the conversation up? I'm ready to move to something from Sammy's notes along the same lines, of Mm -hmm. course. Sanchi, anything you want to add? Uh, No, I think it is very well covered, Bonnie. Okay, thank you very much. And, and Sammy, I'll say at, at short point, I'm looking at your notes here. Let's get provocative here, Sammy. You, you asked the question in your notes to me. You say, do all startups need to work with large companies to, large companies to succeed? And the answer is no. And it can be bad for the startup. So let's take that, that, uh, that side of the conversation for just a minute. Why? How can it hurt? We've already talked about cultural assimilation, DNA, discipline versus startup, vice versa. We've talked about ego. We've talked about not being a Gumby, as Dave said in very colorful metaphoric language bending your vision and your product and your service so far that you don't even recognize it anymore just to make the sale. So when should a startup know that they should not get on the dance floor or having danced once, they should leave the dance floor and go home? Sammy, talk to us. Yes, absolutely. So um, absolutely not. There are startups, not all startups need to work with large companies. Working with large companies, as they've said, requires discipline. There will be a lot of projects, a lot of requirements. It might take years before before actually start scaling and generating the revenues and uh, uh, the targets. So um, it will only make sense and worth to try and start if the startup product will help the large company scale more and scale even significantly. So if you have a product and it doesn't going to, it's not going to be very interesting for the large company. It's not going to help their sales team meet their target. It's not going to help them compete with their, with their competitors. It's not going to help them grow and acquire more customers. Then they will not put the enough efforts startup needs to scale with them. So um, at the end, you should, you should just, as a startup, you should just validate your product. Is it something if I um, uh, will help the large company or the large corporate scale more? If yes, then start and um, um, start this journey and uh, try to meet with as many employees, as many members as possible and uh, prove to them that you are ready to implement whatever they are asking, um, prove to them that uh, they can trust you, that uh, you have the discipline, you have the, the, all the energy and the commitment to make this successful. Thank you, Sammy. Interesting. I, I used to work, I won't name it, a, le- a company that starts with N, ends with A in the, shall we just loosely say, telecommunications and uh, communicating instrument business and anyway, I worked with them, and we did a lot of acquisitions, and we acquired some startups from California, and I remember having to work with some of them, and I'll tell you that their mentality, I'm addressing this to the whole panel, was so startup-focused 
they just didn't fit in. They didn't want to fit in. They wanted to be the mavericks. They wanted to be the cool guys. Everything they said, everything they did, it wasn't, they weren't prepared for large company culture. Sammy, do you observe this? Have you seen this? And Dave and, and Sanchita, anybody want to comment? This is my case study. I'm, I'm not going to mention the name of that startup, but we were all on the corporate side taken aback by who do these guys think they are? Was it our fault, uh, Sammy? No, absolutely not, because um, it has to be like uh, a partnership, sharing the same deal, believing in the same idea. There should be even uh, at the personal level, it should be more about the friendship as well and trust. So it should not be uh, like, as, uh, as you mentioned in the case, it should be basically both startup and large corporate share the same vision, so they only want to succeed. So in the startup side, it should not be right, reach that level. Absolutely not. Thank you very much, Dave. Any observations? You probably have seen this. Oh yes, I have many, many, many times. And it comes down to um, that it, what what I call that it, that true executive level sponsorship for success, and that's what it comes down to. And at the end of the day, I remember. Uh, years and years ago, when I was working at a very small uh, startup, um, we went through this training, uh, sales training. Is actually the first question we always had to ask ourselves in every deal was, "Is this deal worth winning? Mm-hmm. And do we have the right sponsorship to be successful?" Because we were a tiny company selling to very large corporations. It was just our market. And it was like, "Is it worth winning? Do we have the right sponsorship to be successful?" Because if we didn't. We knew that if we weren't 100% successful, that we would never mm-hmm. be able to grow our business, and we would never be able to, you know, really be successful in delivering value to the to the customer. And you know, on a positive note, large corporations now are starting to recognize more and more the value of startups. And like with, um, you know, your Campbell Soup reference. Even, you know, recently I had one of the startups uh, in our SAP Startup Focus program participate in a contest that Kraft Heinz had inviting mm-hmm. uh, over 30 software startups to come in and help solve customer engagement problems and literally held a startup contest, you know, bake-off, if you will, of saying, like, look, we need better customer engagement around customers and, you know, we can't build this thing. So they went and selected um, 30 startups to come in and present and go through this process and picked a couple to do some pilots. And they're inviting them in. It's not like they're investing with a VC fund, but they're literally inviting them in and just say, just come in and show us what you have. And we're going to pick one of these, one of you folks to actually go and, and deliver this. And we want to actually truly engage, and we have sponsorship already. Come on in. And we're looking at, you know, uh, really, truly innovators and disruptors in the marketplace. And so you see this, this traditional company cultural change now where you're getting this executive sponsorship. You're getting these programs in place where long ago when you were a startup, it was scary going into a large company because you weren't sure if you were going to get that sponsorship. 
Thank you, Dave. Very, very interesting. I, I want to, you know, we're technically right now in our crystal ball predictions round, so we're going to have to wrap this up. But, Dave, I'm, I picked up a statistic here from your notes I think is very telling about what you're talking about. You say only 12% of the Fortune 500 from 1955, now do the math, that's 45, 55, and 7, 62 years ago, are still in business today. And I think the answer is they should have been dancing with the startups. Can we say that, Dave Katona? Yes. <laughs> okay, <laughs> there's a quotable for you, putting words in your mouth. Anchors away, Gumby, be, Gumby, behold. Let's circle around to Sanchita, sir. Sanchita, please look into the crystal ball at M Play. Take a look around the year 2020. What will change about this blending and assimilation concept of DNA, of the discipline and the disruption, the big corporate versus or with, alongside partnering with the hopefully agile startup that will teach agility to the corporate who needs to be innovative and can't do it in their own playground. I know that's a, a lot of buzzwords in there. Sanchita, prediction, 60 seconds, go. Okay. I think there's going to be a lot of cooperation because big companies are trying to build some very similar products that the startups are, but with more resources, but less risk averse. So um, sometimes they will be competing. Uh, I have in my past competed with my product with large companies and then sometimes they would realize it's better to co-opt, and then they start cooperating. And therefore, um, by 2020, I feel, uh, as the acquisition market heats up, a lot of startups will get acquired and are getting acquired, but there would be some of these, like Snapchat, who would refuse a Facebook uh, and then go IPO. And uh, I love both, both the options. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. Sammy, I'll say at a short point, take a look into the crystal ball at your company. What do you see coming down the pike 2020-ish? Sammy, predictions? I'll give you a whole 60 seconds. Go. Okay. So, first of all, we are in, in, in the middle of transition to a digital and cloud economy. Where um, So, for that, innovation is, go, is what's going to drive everything. So we will see more startups, more ideas, and more uh, more cooperation. So in terms of technology, I believe there will be uh, there will be no hardware devices, and everything is going to be either virtually or over cloud. And uh, in terms of um, of our product, of our business that relates to websites, I believe like websites are going to have a third dimension to adapt mm-hmm. the virtual world. And for that, we will see a lot of other startups into this, uh, into, this, uh, into this area. And, of course, I will be super rich, relaxing alone on a spectacular <laughs> beach, listening to the recordings of this show to validate what I have just to predict it. <laughs> Sammy, on one of my first shows, which was five years ago, I've done, we have 29 series under the banner of Game Changers, and uh, right now 14 series are in live production, but one of my early shows, I asked one of the guests to predict, and I said, how far in the future can you look in the crystal ball? And he said, Bonnie, I'm going to look out 25 years ahead. And I said, why so far? And he said, because nobody on this call will be alive to tell me if I was wrong. <laughs> 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 a little morbid, but nobody, <laughs> and obviously very memorable. Dave Katona, you are alive and well. David, you're a gem. Dave, look into the crystal ball. I've got 60 seconds for you. Go. Great. So on on, on the uh, what I call the traditional company side, uh, I see a, a high uh, acceleration of funding uh, 
for uh, startup and VC arms of traditional companies. I've already seen it uh, with uh, uh, in uh, financial services companies as well as what I call traditional high-tech companies having their own VC arms. Uh, on the software side, uh, especially looking through the SAP lens, I see a, uh, a really an open marketplace where these large companies can easily consume these startup capabilities in a common marketplace without having to go th- through traditional buying cycles so that you can literally uh, think of it as uh, being able to consume enterprise class startup applications at almost as easy as you can download uh, uh, an app from the Apple App Store. Thank you very much. I like that prediction. You'll be, you be safe out there, Dave. Anchors away. St. Chitasura, Sammy Al-Sayed, Dave Katona. Really interesting conversation. I appreciate it. I could hear you all smiling and passionate about the topic the whole time, and that's what we look for here on Game Changers. Shout out to Kevin Gasman at World Talk Radio. I was going to say Game Changers Radio. We almost are, aren't we, Kevin? And a shout out again to Christina Sosa. I hope everybody had a great Easter and a great Passover. It's almost over, kids. Get rid of the matzah soon. What can I tell you? I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Thank you for listening. Here's my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a Game Changer today, just like Sanchita Sur, just like Sammy Al-Sayed, and just like Dave Katona. I'll be back tomorrow, 11 a.m. Eastern, with another edition of Coffee Break with Game Changers. See you then. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Startup Focus with Game Changers, presented by SAP, the best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. And please join host Bonnie D. Graham again next Tuesday morning at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week. again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the voice america business channel for more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest please visit voiceamericabusiness.com the voice america talk radio network is the worldwide leader in live internet talk radio visit voiceamerica.com the views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the voice america talk radio network its staff and management